0: Hello again, everybody. My name is Mike Petralia. It's episode 218 of Patriot's Beat on the CLNS Media Network. Find us at www.clnsmedia.com. Follow us on Twitter, at CLNS Media. And, of course, on Facebook, at facebook.com slash CLNS Media. I'm joined today by one of the more entertaining members of the Patriots beat Doug Kide of Nesson.com. I will get into exactly why I consider him one of the more entertaining members of the Patriots beat in just a little bit. That's called teasing when you're in <laughs> podcast land. Doug, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much. I am I am very, very pleased to be joining you,
0: Trags. You know, we're both a little weary, but we've been through this before, especially having covered the Patriots during their incredible run of success part of the lifestyle of covering a team that has gone to as many Super Bowls as the Patriots have and won as many Super Bowls is you're going to be playing about half your games it feels like in prime time and uh, obviously that leaves not only the players and coaches a little bit sleep deprived it leaves the reporters a little bit sleep deprived and this is the bitching and moaning part of the podcast (laughs) the Patriots Beat podcast but I'm going to indulge um, in this a little bit how are you feeling right now?
1: I, I'm feeling okay. You know, it, it's par for the course. Probably got about four or five hours of sleep last night. But, uh, yeah, sometimes I certainly wish that I was covering the Browns or the Jaguars and all the games were at 1 o'clock and we get that rare Thursday night game as the only primetime game. But, yeah, there's really no way to, uh, to cover a, a Sunday night game or a Thursday night game or a Monday night game and be on a normal sleep schedule. It's, uh, it's always a bit of a struggle.
0: You have a young one at home, so uh, obviously, uh, obviously, with your family uh, and their needs, you're used to this, right?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I, I'm used to the the no sleep at this point, and you know, my wife has been uh, very good about letting me sleep, especially on nights when she knows that I'll be working or mornings. Uh, yeah, this is this is customary for me. I would say you Absolutely. are
0: very you are very smart, Doug, to thank the wife. For taking care <laughs> of uh, the uh, the young one at home, and uh, obviously, uh, you really couldn't do what you do uh, and have a child without having a very supportive spouse. And I can uh, speak uh, to that myself. But I will uh, get on to the fact, uh, the, get on to the uh, business's hand, and that is talking about what happened on Sunday night at Gillette Stadium. I got to tell you, Doug, I thought. Uh, that the Patriots were in big trouble coming into this game. And my feeling about this team really changed drastically Sunday night with the defensive effort that they were able to lay down against the Atlanta Falcons. I know that uh, the Falcons are struggling on offense with Steve Sarkeesian in his first year as offensive coordinator taking over for Kyle Shanahan. Uh, But I thought that Matt Ryan would have a field day uh, against a secondary that was without Stephon Gilmore, without Eric Rowe, And they stepped up and I thought had their best game of the year, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's very easy for me to say this now. I'm not sure if I even put it on record. I could be lying for all anyone knows. But I kind of felt like the Patriots were going to play well in this game, especially their defense. I thought they'd be able to hold the Falcons. But I do not see them holding them to seven points. And in all honesty, I mean, it probably should have been a shutout. They – the Patriots do this thing on the fourth quarter where they basically just allow a, a ton of yards because they want to bleed down the clock. Right. And that's one, probably one of the only reasons why the Falcons were able to drive down the field with these, like they did on that touchdown drive. And Julio Jones made a great catch over Malcolm Butler. But I mean, that game easily could have been a shutout. I did not see that coming. Uh, I could see the defense improving, you know, against the Buccaneers against the Jets, but, It was a Thursday night game. It was the Jets. I don't know how much of that you could take seriously. This one you've got to take seriously, struggles or not. You know, Steve Sarkeesian or not. The Falcons have a good offense. Uh, They came into this game, I think they were top five in total offense. The Patriots' defense embarrassed them, really. They, They dominated them in this game.
0: Well, I thought a couple of things that Devin McCourty said after the game to me were very telling. He said that Bill Belichick told them throughout the week, make them make a play to beat us. Meaning um, they are going to have to uh, make sensational plays as they did in that fourth quarter scoring drive when Mohamed Sanu... Um, you know, made a couple of catches. Muhammad Sanu actually caught a terrific ball, got the Falcons uh, down to the one-yard line. Then the Patriots came up with two great defensive plays back-to-back. Uh, Malcolm Butler uh, defending Julio Jones and Kyle Van Noy, of course, taking down Taylor Gabriel from behind. Um, and then the, the only time that the Falcons were able to score was in garbage time. <laughs> Bill Belichick couldn't even believe that Julio Jones made that catch over Butler for the only touchdown of the night, but I'm rambling here a little bit, but the point of the matter is that Belichick told McCourty and the rest of the defense, make the Falcons beat you. And I thought that the, uh, the Falcon, the Patriots defense really showed up and played tight coverage. They didn't allow any gashing of big yardage throughout the secondary.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, just going back to that Kyle Van Noy play real quick, that was really one of the better plays of the season for the Patriots defense, for the Patriots overall. And, you know, if, if a guy like, you know, Luke Kuechly or something had made that play, I feel like everyone would have been freaking out about the instincts and the, the ability to make that play and to sniff it out. But since it was Kyle Van Noy, you know, no one's really talked about that much. But that was a fantastic play by him to sniff out that end around. Uh, Stop him for a five yard loss and and force that turnover on downs. But, you know, the really interesting thing about this defensive performance, I think, is the fact that the Patriots were able to do it without Stephon Gilmore, without Eric Rowe, and even during the game, Dante Hightower and Malcolm Brown both got knocked out with injuries. So, you know, as good as they looked, this defense could even perhaps have more potential moving forward once they do have all those pieces back on defense. I guess you could say at the same time the fact that the Patriots are playing their best defense of the season without Stephon Gilmore and without Eric Rowe might mean that they could struggle again when those guys come back, and maybe the answer is to to keep Johnson Batamosi at cornerback, but I think that there is reason to still be even more optimistic about how this defense will look maybe a month down the road or so.
0: You know, the you, were, you and I were both on the Bill Belichick Monday morning conference call, and he uh, spent a great deal of time telling um, you know, Phil Perry of NBC Sports Boston about Kyle Van Noy and the kind of character that Van Noy brings to the Patriots' locker room. I find, found it fascinating because Belichick said Van Noy will do anything we ask him to do. He wants to have more responsibility, and he really embraces that. And I think that is the kind of player that Bill Belichick – relies on more than sometimes star defensive players that he brings in from the outside who, as we're finding out this year anyway, don't always work out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And actually, uh, Matthew Slater, Patriots special teams captain, was talking about Kyle Noy in the locker room today as well, and he said that Kyle Noy will ask him and other members of the team, uh, what was Teddy Bruschi like in this locker room? What was Rod Mayo like in this lo- locker room? What was Junior Seau like in this locker room? So it seems like he really wants to be one of those names that's mentioned as, as the all-time great Patriots, and he wants to know what they were doing to be successful. And I think that goes back to what Bill Belichick said, is that this guy is really dialed in. He really cares about playing his best for this team. I think that's one of the reasons why they signed him to a two-year contract t- contract extension early in the season. Uh, early in the season, Van Noy was not playing his best football, but I think that he did kind of turn the corner last week, and I think he had his best game of the season this week against the Falcons when the Patriots needed him to do that.
0: What about David Harris's 19 snaps? What did you think of his play, and what do you read into that?
1: Uh, you know, he looked fine out there. Uh, you know, bit of a ups and downs, I think. I can't imagine that he's going to play much more than that in any game this season because Landon Roberts will be back. Dante Hightower will, you know, be back from his injury. Kyle Van Noy will always be a starting linebacker. So you know, I think it would take another injury or two for, for Harris to play more than that. But he looked fine. Um that's that's really all I can say about it, though. I mean, I don't think he really stood out too positively or negatively. Uh, from from what I saw,
0: what happens when Stephon Gilmore is clear f- cleared from his concussion, and he comes back into a secondary that, for lack of better words, looked <laughs> better by subtraction. You know the last couple of games. I mean,
1: yeah.
0: it, it's kind of a tough situation. Am I reading too much into it? How does Bill Belichick, you know, re? Uh, acclimate Gilmore into that secondary?
1: It's a really good question. They're, they're basically forced to play him because, you know, they gave the five-year, $65 million contract. I was going to say $65 million uh, about,
0: reasons, 65 million reasons.
1: Exactly. And I think there's about $30 million guaranteed in there, too. So they're on the books for him for about three seasons. I think that they have to play him. I think that he becomes the number one cornerback again. Uh, they have to hope that you know this time off. He fixed communication issues. He did look good in the game that he actually got hurt in, uh, covering Mike Evans. He played well in that game when he was able to just shadow Mike Evans. I'm sure that they'll try to do that with him when they're playing better uh, receivers. Maybe this week if he can come back, maybe he does that with Keenan Allen. Maybe he does that with Amari Cooper. Maybe he does that with Demarius Thomas. Those those type of receivers are coming up on the schedule. But you know, if he plays poorly, Bill Belichick was willing to bench him in that game against the Panthers. Eric Rowe got hurt on the very snap that the Patriots showed they were willing to bench Gilmore. So I think that if he does struggle again, then they won't hesitate to put in Johnson Batamosi. And who knows? I mean, Johnson Batamosi might be the Patriots' number three cornerback moving forward, even when Gilmore does come back, because Batamosi's looked really good. And he's never really shown this throughout the rest of his NFL career, but he's working so well that I'm not sure if you can actually take him out of the defense right now.
0: Welcoming a new sponsor to the Patriots beat this week. It's Harry's razors. I love my Harry's razors. Just received mine in the mail. And I got to tell you, the thing I love the most about Harry's razors is the clean, close shave that I get. They give you all of the fixings with the Harry's razors products, especially uh, a nice handy, plastic guard that covers the razor itself, extends the life of the razor to ensure that you get a close shave and a comfortable shave for as long as possible. Harry's is so confident you're going to love their blades. They give you their trial shave set for free when you sign up at harrys.com backslash patriots. Just pay for the shipping. Harry's is all about a great shave at a fair price, which is why over 3 million guys have switched to Harry's. Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who are fed up with buying overpriced razors, started Harry's to fix shaving. They bought their own German factory with over 100 years of blade making experience just to ensure the highest quality. All products are backed by a 100 percent quality guarantee. Harry's offers their blades at half the price of leading five blade razors, selling directly to you over the internet, claim your free trial offer from Harry's today. That's a $13 value absolutely for free. When you sign up, just cover the shipping. Your free trial set includes a weighted ergonomic razor handle, what I which is what I was talking about, the five precision engineered blades with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade. They also provide Rich lathering shave gel, which by the way feels great. On your face. And a Travel Blade cover. I was also talking about that. It's all in one handy package. To get your free trial set, go to Harry's.com slash Patriots right now. That's Harry's.com Patriots. This is episode 218 of Patriot Speed. I'm joined by Doug Kide of nessen.com We were talking about the secondary uh, before the break, Doug, and I want to move on to the defensive line and how you think they're playing uh, as a whole. I think, you know, they have been really the star of the show uh, for the last couple of weeks, and the way they shut down the Falcons' running game early in the game on Sunday night, to me, really set the tempo.
1: Yeah, and I think that something that's very promising to see right now is that Alan Branch has kind of returned to form. Uh, The Patriots did bench him against the Buccaneers, didn't bring him with them to Tampa Bay. Then they kind of eased him back into the lineup against uh, the Jets. But uh, I thought that he played really well against the Falcons, and he was forced to take on more snaps than usual because Malcolm Brown uh, did injure his ankle in that game. So it looks like Branch, whatever was bothering him or whatever was forcing him to, to not play like himself is gone now because he was really kind of dominating the, the Falcons offensive line at times and he was a big reason why the Patriots were able to to stop the Falcons run game so well obviously another guy who's playing well right now uh, is Trey Flowers he's one of the, the Patriots best defenders one kind of um, I don't know the best way to put this but I think that Cassius Marsh could still use a little bit of work do you think uh, he gets upfield a little Patriots bit too defense? much <laughs> and get, yeah, that's, gets I think past that's the quarterback? Yeah, and really, I think it was all three times that Matt Ryan had big scrambles. He he rushed off Cassius Marsh's edge because Cassius Marsh, Marsh is not containing that edge. So either the Patriots need to fix that, they need to have a talk with him, maybe they want him to do that. I can't imagine that that's the case, but... Yeah, he's definitely getting way too upfield right now, and that's probably him still, you know, doing what he was learning for so many years with the Seahawks.
0: Well, I mean, he did have a huge play on um, Sunday night. I mean, it was after I thought he got held, and Matt Ryan ran for nine yards on fourth and seven. It looked like
1: mm-hmm. Cassius
0: Marsh got held, but you know, you can that can, that kind of play can go either way. But he certainly redeemed himself on special teams, and one way to really put yourself in good graces with Bill Belichick and the rest of the coaching staff is if you make a mistake in one aspect of the game and you make a big big play in another aspect um, you can really justify your spot on the roster and I thought that's what Cassius Marsh did on Sunday night making a huge I thought uh, early game momentum changing play with the blocked field goal of Matt Bryant. Yeah absolutely 100 percent I think
1: that that game Really could have gone differently if that play hadn't happened, if the Falcons had got on the board earlier, they would have got some confidence, they would have, you know, perhaps been able to, to march down the field a couple more times. So yeah, for as much crap as I was giving Marsh for getting too too far upfield on, um, you know, pass rush, it worked out pretty well on, on the uh, on the field goal there.
0: All right, uh, Doug, I want to go back to somebody I know you have followed uh, very closely and uh, at the University of Washington, and I thought he was a big reason the Patriots were successful on Sunday night. The game plan of Steve Sarkeesian, <laughs> I don't know what he was doing with the Falcons. I know the Falcons had a team-only meeting uh, as soon as they hopped off the plane uh, back in Atlanta on Monday morning. I think there are a lot of people questioning what's going on in Atlanta, and uh, you've followed Steve Sarkeesian when he was at the University of Washington. What did you think of his game plan on uh, Sunday night?
1: Yeah, it was bizarre. I mean, just the fact that they were still running the ball so much in the second half I and mean, they were down by so many points, and the fourth and seven call, the fourth and six call, the end around that we talked about earlier on fourth and one at the goal line, there was a a lot to question there. And, you know, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if they had just fired Steve Sarkeesian after that game, because it's obviously not working that well for them right now. And I don't think that, you know, I don't think it's the worst look to give someone like Steve Sarkeesian a short leash because he hasn't done this at the NFL level. He was fine as a head coach in, in college. I, I kind of liked him at UW just because, he took an 0-12 team and made them at least above average uh, rather than, you know, how bad they were before he, he got there. So I always kind of had a soft spot for him, but I, I just don't really think he's he's cut out to be an NFL coordinator at this point. I think the Falcons probably should have just promoted their quarterbacks coach from last season. He's now the uh, Los Angeles Rams offensive coordinator and obviously the Los Angeles Los Angeles Rams offense looks a lot better than the Falcons offense does right now. So I think there's definitely a lot of second-guessing going on in that Falcons organization. And like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if Sarkeesian was was gone at some point this season if these offensive struggles continue.
0: What do you think it is about teams like the Falcons? Uh, and, and there was so much made in the offseason about they are going to be the um, exception to the rule of the Super Bowl loser hangover. Uh, they were doing everything in their power to make sure uh, that they weren't going to suffer that same fate. They you know, made it known to a lot of the media. Uh, you saw the NFL Network do a story about how they brought in drill sergeants uh, in the offseason uh, to make them mentally tough, and they were focused on the prize. Right now, through six games, they just... They look lost, and again, I, I mentioned the team meeting that they had uh, right as they got off the plane um, in at, in Atlanta on Monday morning. It's a sign that uh, at least uh, certainly uh, their coaching staff is trying to get things together. Dan Quinn is doing everything in his power uh, to make sure that the ship doesn't sink.
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting, and I, I don't think that you're losing Kyle Shanahan, obviously – Helped them try to prevent this Super Bowl losing hangover because he was such a large part of the Falcons offense becoming as high powered as they were last year. And, and while he was the offensive coordinator, they were there with the Falcons. So I don't know. I mean, this this does seem to happen to these teams that, that lose the Super Bowl. And I don't know what they can do at this point in the season uh, to begin to, you know, prevent that. But this could be a turning point in the season for the Falcons because now they've lost three straight. Um, they're, they're certainly playing the worst football of the season against the Patriots, lost the Dolphins, lost the Bills. It, it's, it's been ugly so far. And now I think they're playing the Jets this week. And even that's a bit of a scary game for them because the Jets are better than anyone expected them to be. It, it's, it's a tough situation the Falcons have put themselves in. Like I said, the losing Kyle Shanahan certainly didn't help. Hiring Steve Sarkeesian certainly didn't help. Um, but they're going to have to figure out how to pull it together fast, or else this could really wind up being a lost season, like we tend tend to see from teams like this, like we saw from the Carolina Panthers last year. Where uh, I don't know. I mean, they they could really start to bottom out here after a while.
0: I don't know what to make of the New Orleans Saints. Do you? No. <laughs>
1: I don't because they looked pretty bad against the Patriots, uh, and that's the that's the game I was able to see them the most. But now they're playing so well; their defense has really pulled things together. It really has. The defense is, is they're kind of the strength of the unit right now, right? That's how it seems.
0: Yep, and you know um, what's I, I what I see. Not to cut you off there, Doug, but they are yeah. playing the kind of fast defense that we saw the Falcons play last year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that. You know, some of those pieces that they added have started to, you know, form together for them. Marshall Lattimore was a great first-round pick for them. All of the rookies this season are playing well. So I think that, you know, when you do have a lot of rookies on your roster and when you do have a lot of rookies who are important hogs in your offense and your defense, maybe you just become a second-half team. Maybe those guys take a while to get acclimated and get used to the NFL level. And I don't know. I, I think the Saints, they're certainly looking better than the Falcons over the last three games.
0: Fantasy football fans, listen up. If you love fantasy football, then you need to try my new favorite app, Draft. It's weekly fantasy football, but not like the other guys. On Draft, you play real live snake drafts with other people, just like in your season-long league. Here's how it works. It's a draft that lasts for just one week, and there's no management. Just set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Draft even takes care of last-minute injuries for you. Drafts start every couple of minutes, so you can join one right now. And the best part, play for cold, hard cash. Drafts start from just $1, and there's a draft for everyone. No salary caps. Play in a real live snake draft, just like you play with your friends ...in a season-long league. Come and join me on Draft today. Download the app at any time. Just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes. Or play right from your computer on PlayDraft.com. Whatever you want. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into Draft... ...when you make your first deposit. But you have to use my promo code PATSBEAT. That's right. Play a real money game for free just for using my promo code PATSBEAT... ...on your first deposit... On draft. Just search draft in the App Store or go to playdraft.com and play for free with promo code Beat. Speaking with Doug Kide on this episode, episode 218 of Patriots Beat. And he is with, of course, Nessen.com. You should be following him on Twitter at Doug. That's your kid. D O U G K Y E D. Just in case. People were wondering. Uh, how many questions do you get about your, the spelling of your last name? Um,
1: it's mostly about the pronunciation of my last name more than the spelling, uh, because people think it's Kayed, they think it's Kied, they think it's Keyed. I've got pretty much every uh, form of it imag- imaginable, but there's not many of us in this, uh, in this country. I think anyone with the last name Kyed is related to me, it's a it's a Danish last name. I think it's pronounced kids in in Denmark. So Is that uh, right? I did not yeah, know
0: that, that about you. That's,
1: that's the not- history of me. I if you google Kai, there was a uh, one of my cousins was a offensive tackle at Stanford for a couple of years. He's really the, he's probably the second most famous kid. Yep,
0: yep. Uh Yeah, he is. He would be. Nobody's more famous than the man I'm speaking with right now. And you know what? (laughs) I left the building last night on Sunday night, uh, Monday morning, whatever it was. And I thought to myself the following thing, Doug, the Patriots going back to the Super Bowl. That's what I that was my biggest takeaway from Sunday night is that it felt like the Patriots are doing what they do every single year. They eventually figure it out with whatever personnel they have, and then they just get their shit together. And that's what it felt like leaving the building on, you know, Sunday night. How did you feel leaving that game?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't be surprised. I think that they're right there on the running, and, and at the moment they're playing better football than the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs has now lost two games in a row. Uh, Patriots have strung together, you know, three pretty impressive performances now, and I, I don't know. I mean, if the if the Chiefs have to come back here to to New England to beat the Patriots to make the Super Bowl, I think that's going to be a really tough task for the Chiefs to beat them there in in a rematch like that. So, I, I think I'm with you. I think you know it comes down to those two teams. It's down to the Chiefs and the Patriots at this point, as far as the AFC is concerned. I don't think there's many other teams who are who are good enough to to compete with those two squad so i guess I, I would i would agree with you it's kind of funny because what the patriots were three and two two weeks ago and someone asked me on twitter if i still thought that the patriots would finish 12, 12 and 4 and i said that it would be pretty dumb to think that they wouldn't just based on past history the fact that patriots go 12 and 4 or you know 13 and 3 or 14 and 2 every single year in the back of my mind i was thinking all right maybe that's kind of a bold claim that it would be dumb to think that they can't go 12 and four, but now that they're sitting at five and two, they're another one away from being right on pace to going uh, 12 and four again. I think that's in the horizon. I think that they're going to be right back in it. And no, I mean, I think that there's a reason why they are Super Bowl favorites.
0: Well, you know what, Doug, I I just can't see them tripping up against more than three or four more teams left on the schedule. One team I do want to ask you about is what you think of the Buffalo Bills.
1: It's, I really did not expect much out of them coming into this season, but they've certainly outplayed my expectations. I mean, I guess the win over the Falcons doesn't look quite as impressive after seeing what the Patriots did to the Falcons, but, I mean, they keep stringing these wins together. They, they beat the Buccaneers. They, they're beating the teams that the Patriots are beating. Um, they're better than I thought they would be, but... I guess so is kind of the entire AFC East. It seems like the AFC East is is getting a little bit more dangerous this season. I, I I'll be very interested to see how the bills do fare against Patriots this season. And I'll I'll also be interested to see, you know, where those teams stack up once they finally do play, because most of the Patriots AFC East opponents are, are scheduled very late this year, which is kind of an odd element to factor in because usually you get a better sense of those teams earlier on, but you know i've always kind of been a fan of tyrod taylor i think that he's certainly a serviceable quarterback i was pretty surprised that the bills were were acting like they didn't really want him to be their quarterback uh this offseason moving forward but i think he's a guy who can win you some games and if you know he's a guy if, if his defense is carrying him if, he, if, he, if he's got some weapons there on offense then I think that he can be a playoff quarterback. I'm not sure if he can be more than that, but I think that he could certainly bring them to the playoffs.
0: Well, and I think the Dolphins are, you know, you hate to see anybody get injured, but when Jay Cutler suffered the rib injuries, I think that Matt Moore is a better quarterback than Jay Cutler. I don't know how you feel about that, but I just (laughs) think Matt Moore could probably hes younger and he could probably do more with that team than Jay could.
1: Yeah, I, I was actually surprised when the when the Dolphins did sign Jay Cutler. I think that Adam Gase just thought that he could reclaim some of that magic that they had uh, with the Bears that one season that Cutler had such a good year. But Cutler just doesn't care. That's no, just where he stands at this absolutely. point in his career. And, you know, Matt Moore does care. I think that, that that could be the kind of boost that the Dolphins potentially could need this season. And I don't think that Matt Moore is, is a good quarterback. But I, I tend to agree with you that he's probably a better fit and he might be more he might be a better quarterback than Jake Cutler at this point. Yeah.
0: Okay, so anybody who's listened to the first twenty five minutes of this pod, they're like, Okay, why is Doug Kide one of the best entertaining most entertaining reporters on the beat? <laughs> Let's get to the cut to the chase. When I was talking to you I think it was last year, um during one of the um uh, Foxborough lunch breaks on Wednesdays. And mm-hmm. I found out that you were in a band and you were in <laughs> yes. a punk rock band. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's that's fair to say. Yeah, I was a, a hardcore punk band, yep, for, okay. for a number of years.
0: Yeah. I hosted a classic rock and roll show. I think I told you this in college when I went to Villanova. I've My second love, really, after sports in life, and after my daughters, obviously, in my family, would be classic rock and roll. I want to get the lowdown on how Doug Kide got into rock and roll.
1: Uh, that's a good question. It was my father. Um, when I think I was seven years old, somewhere around that time, and my dad threw a, a Beach Boys tape on the, the old band cassette player as we were driving home, and... Uh, Ever since then the Beach Boys have been my favorite band and that's kind of got me into classic rock, oldies and then eventually the Ramones, punk rock, pop punk, uh hardcore punk, everything and uh that that's that's really what what did it. I uh I've very encased in music. It's not all not all punk, not all, you know, hardcore that kind of stuff, but um yeah, no, it's it's absolutely one of my uh bigger passions as well after after sports and after after my family and all that good stuff uh yeah went on tour with the band and and had some some very good times
0: so you went you actually went on tour you weren't just some house band playing some uh you know bars somewhere you were actually <laughs> you toured uh with your ba- the name of your band again
1: the name of the band was bear trap. And yeah, we, we went on tours uh, down to Florida a few times, did some East coast stuff. One summer we did a full U S that was about 60 dates. And, you know, these are like, these are like basement shows and, and small clubs and it certainly wasn't glamorous or anything, but yeah, it's, it's an opportunity that not many other people can say that they had. And, uh, it was kind of what I was doing out of college before I you know, got the job at Nesson and got serious about journalism and everything. So yeah, the full U S tour was a blast. We went all the way to California, Washington, Oregon, all those places, and basically drew a circle around the United States for 60 days.
0: What do you uh, play? I play guitar. Like uh, any type of guitar, bass lead?
1: No, Uh. just, just, uh, Basically, rhythm guitar, but yeah, uh, six-string guitar, electric guitar, acoustic guitar, but it was all electric at that point, and I was the only guitarist in the band at that point. Um, but yeah, it was just really fast stuff, like faster than you can probably even imagine. Um, and yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. <laughs>
0: that's that's awesome. Okay, the the biggest punk band influence of the 70s were. I want you to answer this um, particular way. I'm looking for a particular answer.
1: For a particular answer, yeah. Uh, are you looking for?
0: It's not American. Uh, yeah. Well,
1: are you looking for the Clash? I am indeed as looking, as what you're looking
0: for, for yeah. the Clash. Yes.
1: Yeah. No. I, I think that I would have to agree with that because the I, I was you, I was I almost wanted to say the Ramones, but they're a little bit more derivative of you know, some of the stuff that was happening in the fifties and sixties. So no, I would agree with you. I think it, it probably would be
0: the clash. Yeah, yeah. I I'm just, I, I love that band so much. And whenever I need to get pumped up after staying up till 3:30 in the morning, covering a football game, um, <laughs> I, I blasted the clash on my drive home, uh, from Foxborough. So that's sounds like a good nice. place to end this podcast, Doug. It's really been a pleasure. How again, can, uh, people follow you on Twitter?
1: Yeah, follow me at Doug Kide, and uh, yeah, go to nelson.com for all of our Patriots coverage.
0: You do, and I know you do uh, Instagram. You want to give that out, or do you keep that private?
1: No, absolutely. Doug Kide on that one, too. D-O-U-G-K-Y-E-D.
0: That is outstanding, Doug. Stay with CLNS all day on game day, starting with the CLNS Media New England Patriots pregame show with Alex Barth a half hour before every game. Then you can catch the postgame show with Marvin Ezon and Mike on Live after every single game on C L N S Media. Subscribe to both on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube now. Also, get daily team updates on the Patriots Newsfeed podcast with Tyler Trudeau, which is also available on the C L N S Media New England Patriots postgame show feed. Available again on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube and the CLNS Media mobile app. Thanks again for downloading today's Patriots Beat, episode 218. I want to once again thank our guest Doug Kide from Nesson.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Doug Kide. You can also give us a follow at Patriots underscore beat and at CLNS Media. You can also give my own personal account a follow, of course, at Trags, T-R-A-G-S. Today's sponsors were Harry's Razors and Draft.com. For Patriots content manager, Mike Alonghi, CLNS Media executive producer, Larry H. Russell, the founder of the network, Nick Gelso. thanks to everyone who tuned in. This is Mike Petralia, and this is the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media. What's going on, Pass Nation? This is Marvin Zun of the CLNS Media Network, and I'm here to tell you right now to check out the CLNS Media New England Patriots post game show hosted by myself and my co host, Mr. Mike Nice. And live on CLNS Radio, immediately after every single pass game. Calling at 929-477-2386, toll free to get your voice heard and contribute to the host breakdown and analysis of the latest Patriots contest. We also got the stars and sorries of the day, Twitter posts for the plays of the game, and everything else that is going on with the five-time Super Bowl champion.